0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Polity's podcast. We are here today on a very exciting occasion. The release, the publication of the latest issue of New Polity Magazine, issue 4.1. We have been doing this for four years, or rather three. We're in our fourth year. And like a four-year-old child, we've come here (laughs) to sell the thing to you. You should subscribe.
1: I am very excited that the yellow is back.
0: Yeah, New Polity Yellow that's is... Our,
1: that's our brand, for sure.
0: Yeah, we make it so that any merchandise we create looks horrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I used to hate yellow. I still kind of do.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's an alarming color. It says yield, for instance, and that's what New Polity is all about, <laughs> yielding to others. <laughs> um, so you read the magazine. Right. I worked really hard to publish the magazine, um, which is a scary thing to admit because there's always like a typo somewhere. Um, and what do you think?
1: Well, um, I, in, in case people don't know, there, has been a, a change in the format mm. to the magazine. Um, so it was just a publication of mostly academic articles. Yeah. They're great. Um, but it can be really difficult to slog through. <laughs>
0: what kept happening is that I'd meet people that are like, I oh, love yeah. your magazine. <laughs> it's on my coffee table. I haven't ever read it. I'm like really. And they're like, yeah. I tried once, and I can't read it. But I really support what you're doing in theory, and I think it looks pretty on my coffee table,
1: which is true. I mean, that's a definite it, bonus.
0: It's a reason to get it. it but is. <laughs> uh, as someone who had kind of worked hard on it, it left me with a certain hollow feeling. You know, like mm-hmm. a cup. I felt empty inside.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. So really, this is just an attempt to make Mark happy.
0: <laughs> well, in a certain respect, you're like you, you think to yourself, okay, there are there's a movement here, right? We have. Um, It's a broad movement overcoming the basic presuppositions of Mm -hmm. liberalism that have really bound up the conscience and the imagination of the American Catholic for many, many years. And it's an exciting time because we're finally able to start thinking in a tentative four-year-old kind of way beyond the structures of liberalism. Um, And that is important. And and not only is it important, but it's hard work. Because Mm -hmm. whenever you're thinking outside of a paradigm, you're finding the necessity of using new words or deconstructing old words and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, this is really a word that's put in place to change an older meaning, you know, something like freedom or liberty. But all of that results in a lot of heady writing. And the trouble with heady writing is that no one wants to read it. And there's a lot of people following, you might be one of them, who are saying to yourself, look, guys, I'm already on board, right? I want... Whatever the Catholic Church teaches as true to be understood, believed, and followed, we're with you. We don't really need to read the mm-hmm. sort of 60-page article defending a preliberal notion of liberty. But at the same time, those articles have to exist. Yeah, the work like,
1: needs to be done yeah. at that level.
0: Absolutely, the idea—it's that... just
1: not readable for everyone because it just assumes that you have that you've read a lot of things beforehand and that you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the terms beforehand. And so it's not even—it's not even necessarily that people like aren't interested in reading. Mm. It's just if you're walking into yeah. a conversation late, it's just awkward, and you're spending all of your energy just trying to catch up. To
0: all good what's writing. Neat is like a mystery story. And and for a mystery story to be good, the reader has to have the desire to know who done it throughout the entirety, right? It has to urge him on. And the trouble is, I think with academic writing, it's very much like it either lends itself to part of your search for meaning, like, mm-hmm. wow, this is what I need to read because it helps answer this question that's just killing me. And I want to learn it. And, and, and you, those places where you're willing to do the hard work precisely because the mystery is so compelling to you.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: trouble is, of course, that maybe one out of seven academic articles provides you with that. And yeah. the others, you know, I feel like this anytime I, it's very rare that I open up the Thomist, for instance, and think, I'm just going to plow through this left to yeah. right, beginning <laughs> to end. So all of that is to say, we are neither giving up on the academic work, um, but nor are we focusing exclusively on it. Rather, we've developed a novel idea. This is, this is new. This is worth betting on because what, <laughs> because what we've done is created a, a novelty in, in magazine production, uh, which is the, I call it now, this is the academic section. So wow. check it out. Da, it's da, a, da. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they say you can't have your cake and bake it too, but but I did it. Uh we put an academic section right here in the middle um where that heavy lifting is going on. Mm-hmm. Right. So for this issue, we've got the venerable Ada Nichols and the venerable Tracy Rowland taking on some of uh Ratzinger's thought. Um but the idea is pretty simple that that heavy lifting is there it's happening and it's there for you to read but Mm -hmm. it's couched within an understanding and within a magazine that says hey we know the mission we're on okay we need direct action so there's a lot of magazine there's a lot of essays in this that are calls to action specific things we can do to implement catholic social teaching on a practical level both within our own lives and um, as a matter of policy recommendations um, as well as I hope throughout just really good writing, like writing that just right both entertains but also um brings you deeper into truth,
1: yeah, I mean, I really appreciated having the article on direct primary care. I was telling you before this yeah. that my like as my parents are getting older, we're starting to have more financial conversations and trying to figure things figure things out, and they're really on board with um the things that new polity is saying, which is a huge. Gift for me, yeah. Um, But you know, like we're still trying to figure that out together, and it's it's helpful to have those conversations with them. Um, And like this is the kind of thing that I'm looking for to have those conversations with my parents, and also to figure stuff out for me as I'm moving forward. So that one I just found particularly helpful, and I think, well, because I get a lot of the the emails, like the, the questions coming in and a lot of people are looking for like specific things yeah. that I can do. Like, well, if this option doesn't work, then what other options are there? And like, we haven't done all that work. There's lots of people who can provide that. And so, um, yeah.
0: And so in brief, uh, direct primary care is a model of providing medicine that really restores some of the ideas of the family physician and the country doctor, um, by, I mean, it's very simple, just having like a, a basic, membership fee for Mm -hmm. patients to a general care or a a family practitioner um and just specific cheap um costs for different procedures and medicines so what it does is it it's sounds maybe complicated but really maybe it just sounds not very novel at all but what it is is it's a way of doing medicine outside of the insurance system
1: right and it also incentivizes the Doctor to just to not have to jump through hoops Mm -hmm. or to like extend uh, appointments or anything that would make him money. I guess Um, one of the things I think he was talking about is that there's it's not following a a fee for service basis, so he doesn't get more money based off of how many times you come into the office. Yeah, uh, which just changes. The way that you practice, I think
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and then there's so much of a physician 's time that's spent with coding, so figuring out the the uh, what insurance works for what procedure, and that is um, cuts into actual quality time really between a physician and a patient, and so this doctor mm-hmm. Joseph Rawl was arguing that um that Catholics should be particularly interested in direct primary care because what it does is it kind of frees the doctor to have more interpersonal relationships and conversations with his clients to engage the art of healing Mm -hmm. in a way that isn't um, rushed and forced into um, the insurance model. And it makes sense. Is it for everyone? I hope so. And (laughs) it's a good argument, and he does the the work of linking it to Catholic social teaching to show how some of the major themes – Um, of Catholic social teaching can be made present more easily in direct primary care as opposed to the insurance model. So themes of the dignity of the person, solidarity, subsidiarity, all that good stuff. But it's also also... very practical because I hate this thing that people do sometimes, right? where they're like, all right, we've got Catholic social teaching, so all we need to do is solidarity and subsidiarity. Boom.
1: Yeah. The world just
0: (laughs) changed because I got... I got my solidarity subsidiarity medicine. And it's like it's this idea that the that Catholic social teaching doesn't involve us in some way that it's just like something taught there's some doctrines
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then all we have to do is sort of know about the doctrines and that's it.
1: Right, and that's participation in it.
0: Whereas what solidarity is always involves you living in solidarity and what subsidiarity is always mm-hmm. involves you enacting subsidiarity in specific particular ways. It's up to us to enact the law. <laughs> right. So, uh,
1: one last plug for that article. I also thought that the footnotes were pretty valuable just because if you want to learn more, um, there's a lot of helpful, uh, websites and references to Catholic social teaching mm-hmm. along the way that I will probably be using.
0: Very Cool. Yeah, so again, the new farmer in the magazine is going to try and really put forward a lot of these very practical actions that we can take. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get rid of your 401k, take up direct primary care, you know, buy land and develop a commons, these sorts of things. But then trying to get people who've either done it or have really good advice for doing it to start writing in our pages so that you're not Mm -hmm. just getting the heavy lifting of the academic work. You're also getting calls to action because maybe you're already convinced and what you need to know isn't what, but how.
1: Yep. And I think that's, that's the stuff that's still being worked out too. I mean, that's part of the heavy lifting, I think. Um, Just trying a lot of different ideas and seeing what's already out there. Um, And again, I think those are a lot of the emails that I get just People don't know what's out there already, sure,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Um, or they want to start something new but don't know where to start.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I think I think that we do take some of those things for granted in Steubenville, just because like we're around people who are thinking that way, and stuff just naturally happens. Um, but it isn't necessarily things that we talk or write about all the time, just because it's more normal.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hope is that. Right now in our world today, a lot of these recommendations seem like very creative, unique endeavors. But actually, when you stop to think about them, they're usually almost always like simpler, less complicated, less mm-hmm. financially involved ways of doing things. Right. And so once you start doing them, they don't have this sense of like, oh, I'm implementing a device of Catholic social teaching into the world. <laughs> it just feels like, well, this is normal. I, yeah. I have a doctor that I know and like I just pay him. A just price for things he does that's right it's not something that like jumps in, into the mind as an object to, uh, for discussion so
1: that kind of reminds me <laughs> when when I was deciding to move here I remember having a conversation with you on the phone I was like all right like should I should I quit my my teaching job like make it make it official and you're like yeah like we'll we'll find you a place to stay and we'll pay you what you need and I was like great <laughs> I'm quitting my job <laughs> that's all I need to know <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's always simpler. The answer is yeah. always simpler. Yeah. Um,
1: but to jump a, ahead to other things that are in the magazine, one, or I guess two new editions that I really liked was from the archives and from the tradition. Yeah. So from the archives is just kind of anything, yeah. right? And then from the tradition is specifically from like, the Catholic tradition, bringing up a yeah. lot of church fathers. Is that the intention? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, the goal of both of these sections, and they're going to have these very cool uh, repeating images um, that Grace Rainey designed. Thank you, Grace. That one for, oh, from I the didn't archives. Know that. Oh, was nice. Uh, well, she stole them from oh, other places, but lies. don't tell anyone. <laughs> All of. Uh, all of New Polity's art is taken from old defunct uh journals and where's where's the other one? Oh here it is. Uh and then the from the tradition one has a pretty awesome one. I think that's um, Oh, yeah, I like that one. Herman the Cripple, maybe? Preaching the Wait, Crusades. What? No, Herman... Peter the Cripple. It's a it's a saint preaching the crusades. And people look pretty um Actually, they look kind of dubious in this picture. So I guess he's just gotten started. But in these two uh, sections from the tradition from the archives, the, the goal is is for both is really the same. The the the, the thing is sometimes when you hear people from New Politics saying things like, um, "You should get rid of your four hundred one k. Shareholding is pretty much certainly a sin," uh, <laughs> or you know, we should question the modern state as a just form of government, things like that. The thought is always like, whoa, these guys are on some kind of crazy limb here making, making rad arguments. And th- there's two things that happen, which are really unfortunate. One is that some people think, therefore, they're wrong. But even worse mm-hmm. is some people think, therefore, they're right.
1: Because we live in this <laughs>
0: weird age where like the hot take has taken over for the truth, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true, but that sh- certainly sounds edgy. It's going to rile <laughs> people up. And then that basically seems like truth. So that's just what base means. That's what base means. It's like, I don't know if he's right or wrong. It's like what pilot pilot would have been based. I think. Yeah. What is truth? (laughs) Let's do the thing. (laughs) Uh, but what these are trying to do is say, look, things can seem really novel because you live in a really dumb, strange world. But thankfully through, uh, the gift of the printing press and our cultural memory, um, we don't have to judge this world on its own merits, and in fact, a lot past. of the things that we're saying now made a way more sense in the mm-hmm. past. Like we have to, you know, fervently argue and define speculation. But there's, you know, church fathers who say things like, "It's a sin to buy low and sell high." Um, yeah, I'm They always, don't even think about it. They weird. just say it. I,
1: I I'm still surprised whenever I find the church condemnations of usury, like it still is yeah. like shocking to yeah, me yeah um, yeah, like even I was yeah, reading
0: Aristotle's Politics and and even, not even within the Christian tradition but within the ancient tradition it's like whenever it's brought up it's like well as we all know this is like the worst thing a human being can do <laughs> like, yeah and, and you're reading yeah. that like, <laughs> uh, so the point is the tradition um, is full of things that show how right we are <laughs> And we want to show it. <laughs> wow. <She's laughs> no, so like pompous. I'm sorry, that was that was very silly. Uh, no, well, I,
1: I I appreciate it because, well, I mean it it makes uh it makes me feel less alone. Like okay, yeah, the conversations yeah. are being had before. What we're saying is not new, and that to me it would seem to be a marker that we're on the right track. Like I just don't think that people are going to come up with. That many novel things, yeah. No, I certainly um, can not It's more novel in its application to a new scenario, but totally. um, yeah, it, it, it gave me a lot of confidence. Um, especially the one from uh, from this issue from Dostoyevsky. I will admit, I have never read the brothers Karamazov,
0: Karamazov, yeah. But,
1: um, Brothers K, Brothers K, I Circle don't K. actually know what it's about.
0: Oh, you know, it's about a dad that really likes a woman and a bunch of sons who are justifiably kind of creeped out by it, and yeah. also hate each other. And is have you ever seen Arrested Development? Nope. No, Mm-mm. it's that. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> For everyone who has. <laughs> um, uh, so I mean, I <laughs> I was really shocked that this was in there. I mean maybe i I wouldn't have been uh if I knew the context of the book more, but even so, I think it's kind of a random input into um this story
0: yeah, so the chapter is called so be it, so be it uh chapter five and it's oh, pretty early on. what's incredible about what is it? it is oh. that in the middle of a novel um it eighteenth century no nineteenth century sorry duh. um he
1: Well, there's just a debate on, well.
0: It's a debate on integralism. Integralism. It's a debate on the relationship between the church and the state. Um, And so sometimes for us, often we're talking about that. We're based in part on this book, Before Church and State. And so it becomes a big question of how do we understand the temporal Mm -hmm. and spiritual powers? Um, How do we understand the modern state? How do we understand the liberal Understanding of separation of church and state, and often we can think that this is some new cool conversation we're having, especially now that like political Catholicism is in the news a lot. It gets a lot of like, oh, look at these these theocrats Based. or whatever, yeah, or or yeah, if they're positive, the these these um, well, the <laughs> point of publishing this again, and um, you still have to subscribe to the magazine, but it is available for free almost anywhere online. Um, the point <laughs> of Publishing this was just to so that show that this is a old conversation.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that was shocking to me. I was very surprised about how familiar all of this was. Um and I, I appreciated in the beginning the little explanation of the different characters and the angle that they're coming from, because otherwise I would have been lost and just like trying to figure out the dynamics yeah. while that I was being kind of thrown into. Yeah. Um
0: so the basic sense of it is that Ivan Karamazov, who's an atheist, Has written a theological article where he defends um, what often sounds a lot like what we think, I think, about Mm -hmm. uh, the relationship between church and state as that's described. He says, every earthly state should be in the end completely transformed into the church. And um, it's a really fascinating thing for Dostoevsky to put into the mouth of an atheist. Mm -hmm. I think Dostoevsky is amazingly sensitive to his time because. Uh, for him he is also living through Russia basically trying to fast well having already and still trying to fast track itself into the kind of modern nation state that Mm -hmm. many other uh, European states already were and so this this project of state building was already in a sort of critical or um, difficult relationship with the Orthodox Church in Russia. And so you can see that when he's giving Ivan this article, it's because obviously he really wants to talk about this. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's a novelist, so he just basically takes a break in his novel and is like, (laughs) turns out one of my characters wrote an essay. Do some talking about that. (laughs) Um, But that idea that the earthly state, and I'm not considering it as the modern state right now, but the idea that the church is sufficient, right? And that the state, um, while being independent of the church, at the same time longs, as it were, for a total incorporation into some final reality that we call the church, mm-hmm. uh, has always always struck me as quite right. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating about it in the uh, mouth of an atheist is that you can see how it can become a perverse idea, not because the idea is wrong, but because someone believes in it apart from the efficacy of grace and the reality of God. Yeah, So it's it's like we can have the church, we can have the state as a ultimately like as a material reality, as something Mm -hmm. we can do historically as something that doesn't require genuine belief, but can simply be, you know,
1: I mean, I know people who kind of think like that, like they're, atheists but they see that functionally having a christian society is just better
0: yeah no and And it is often with religion too where people will say things like this is actually a big part of brothers k it kind of ends with this discussion but this idea that like well religion isn't true everyone who's smart knows that but it's necessary for social order and so right i'm smart enough to know that it's not true but we need enough of it so the yokels you know don't don't lose all sense of meaning um but in this it conversation,
1: strikes me as creepy.
0: Yeah, well, it's creepy because it's so it's so elitist, and it also mm-hmm. has this sense that religion can somehow be true without, or rather, religion can be merely usefully
1: true without without being, thereby
0: being changed in its very essence, like, or
1: just that it can be usefully true without having some real element of truth in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I it seems very basic to me, but it's like. You don't get to say, well, I don't think Christianity is true, but I think society should be ordered like a Christian society because look at all these benefits. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't because the people saw that society would be well-ordered that they believed in Christianity. They believed in Christianity because it was true, and therefore the society was well-ordered. And so we have this sort of modern detachment from everything where we think we can accept the results of things without accepting their causes. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to plant a tree, but I'll take the fruit. And it's just like, no, you Mm -hmm. you don't get to have that. (laughs) You're just sort of sucking off the surplus tradition.
1: And then, then, I mean... You could imagine a situation in which most people subscribe to a functional Christianity and that wouldn't function because then grace wouldn't be efficacious. No, because,
0: yeah, the whole thing about Christianity and the thing that people get hung up on is that it's real. (laughs) It really (laughs) happened. And so the reason it's socially effective is because people's sins are being forgiven. Right. The reason it's socially effective, it's because that when when I uh, come to the point of developing a grudge which Mm -hmm. is like the necessary condition for developing a society of blood feuds. I don't. And the reason I don't is not because I like think, well, a society would be better ordered if I didn't hold a grudge here. The reason is because I go to the sacrament, Mm -hmm. go to confession, I go to communion, and I try to obey the commandments of Christ. Um, It's just so obvious to me. It's like it it really works. This is one of the things people don't understand, I think, especially like when it comes to marriage or something, where – where it's like m- you really can't just have a marriage. Well, this is okay. Marriage is a bad one to choose because it's <laughs> sort of the primordial sacrament, and all that. And the point is, the grace of the sacrament is real, mm-hmm. um, and you couldn't sort of fake it, right? To yeah. get to get like merely the effects of happy marriage or something like that. Like you really need it. You need mm-hmm. marriage. Um, and so in this in this article, so Ivan presents the. Presents the kind of ideal, but without the belief. And Father Zosima, who he's speaking to, is really this the saint of the of the novel, quite literally. And
1: but I I do think it's helpful to begin with. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Uh, Musol. Yeah, probably. Uh, Musol. How? Yeah, what well, he ac- accuses uh, Ivan's position of because that.
0: Yeah, I'll read it at the end. It's pretty good.
1: Well, no. In the in the beginning, he's just uh, calling uh, Ivan an, an ultramontanist. Montanist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so people which might is be...
1: basically like a a the- theocrat, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. The, like uh, you
1: want the, the like the church to be the state.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that which... that's the turn of the argument is that he thinks that he father. Uh, what is it? Myosov. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible. Some Russian speakers to <laughs> totally cancel us. Um He thinks that Um that what Ivan is suggesting, what Father Zosima seems to be agreeing with, is um leaving unchanged this thing that we call the state. hmm So the, the state remains it has its prisons. It has its police forces. It has its armies. Mm-hmm. It has its uh, sort of whole Judicial structure. system and, yeah, it has yeah. its presumptions. But then the church just rules. it. Is in charge. It. Yeah, as unchanged. And he's horrified by this.
1: Because that would be horrifying. <laughs> oh, it'd be absolutely yeah.
0: horrifying. I mean, one of the only, one of the only benefits. Yeah, one of the only things that I that I can take comfort in about the state um, that we are that we find ourselves in is that it has a certain limit to it, like. Like by necessity, there's spaces that it um, doesn't quite operate. But the whole idea of like the church taking the state unchanged is sort of the idea of a completed state, as it were, like a state that has total spiritual power, a state that is is really uh, in everything, right?
1: The church has access to your phone. (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. Which some people like. No, but some people like that.
0: You know. Uh, so it's interesting because Father M- Miosov says, um, you know, this is a horror. But I think I found I don't think people really mean it or think it through. But aesthetically, a lot of people think oh, in that in those terms, mm-hmm. like um, they don't have the imagination necessary to see what kind of changes. Christian well, conversion I think, indicates. I think for the state, people just...
1: people like rightly recognize that the state ought to be like subordinate because people ought to be subordinate to the church. Yeah, people ought to be subordinate to totally. Christ, and so the assumption is that the only way that that could happen is if the state formally yes. recognizes that I am subordinate to the church, and then you would get an ultramontanist position and. Yeah. I guess that's, that's kind of the idea that either it is either the case that the church is in charge of the state Mm -hmm. or the state is in charge of the church. Mm -hmm. And we're living in the state being in charge of the church. Like these are the spheres where you're relevant. Here's the spheres where you're irrelevant. We know that can't be the case. So if that's off the table, then this is the only other option. And so, uh, father, (laughs) (laughs) youself, um, he he can't he can't even see what Ivan is is saying. He's just seeing those two options. He's like, well, if you're not choosing this one, then you're yes, choosing totally. that one, and like that's not a. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's quite upset about it. Yeah, um, and, and so, that <laughs> happens
0: all the time. I think I, like in contemporary conversations, mm-hmm. like if you if you broach the idea of like subordination to the church, people immediately think that you mean like rule by priest that you're actually like destroying the integrity of the secular, the integrity of everything that isn't like clerical almost. Right. Which is why when he says, you know, it's a funny line, it's uh the state is unlimited and the church is raised to the position of the state, it's not simply ultramontanism, it's arc ultramontanism. It's beyond the dreams of Pope Gregory the Seventh. Um so I think that's actually right. what Orthodox people sometimes still think about Catholics. Yeah, and that's important context. But to this. I, I think
1: sort of I around. think a lot of I mean I, th- I think there are people who are subscribing to that belief because they're they're not seeing what Ivan is saying.
0: Yeah, and fathers are some, not... and of course we would say something to the effect of like just initially I don't want to cause scandal here. Like, well, What do you think? Uh, it's like um, we would say these are equal departures from something that was lost mm-hmm. or, or something that was prior to right. the creation of modern nation states that there was. Um, the sort of marriage as it were of the temporal and the spiritual powers in the church of what you might now, we wouldn't like to call it it, but what you could have called it church and state um, that didn't preclude the sacred element of the state as doing the same work as the official clerical church. Mm -hmm. Um, That, that this is a common work, um, but they have different objects, uh, this church and state, but that they're both Christian enterprises. Like there's a, there's secular lay Christian rule. That's something that we don't have anymore because we try to imagine all secular rule as somehow being apart from the church mm-hmm. and apart from um, Christianity and having its own um, isolated sphere of existence, which that's what I think is, is new in modernity and DCFC is reacting to it because he right. can see how, well, once you give this kind of like place for the state apart from Christianity as if it has some kind of, you know, uh, as if it can't be touched, yeah, well, it's and it's
1: kind of assuming you that you get. can do politics without being simultaneously a religious actor. Right, right, right. Like you're going to do your politics from your religion, and so what? Uh, Ivan and Father Zosima, Zosima yeah. um, are, are are trying to get Miosov to see is uh, what what it means for the state to be transformed in the church is is conversion mm-hmm. and when grace is active and when conversion really happens the f- actual form of the state would change the judicial yeah. system wouldn't stay the same that legislation yeah. wouldn't stay the same um, yeah. there's one paragraph that i thought was really helpful and again he's uh, he's accusing rome essentially of being yeah. ultramontus, uh but he says you're completely misunderstanding it Understand the church is not to be transformed into the state. That is Rome in its dream. Mm -hmm. Terrible Roman Catholics. Um, that is the third temptation of the devil. On the contrary, the state is transformed into the church, will ascend and become a church over the whole world, which is the complete opposite of ultramontanism and Rome and your interpretation and is only the glorious, glorious destiny ordained for the Orthodox Church.
0: <laughs> <Woo>! Yeah. <laughs> Russia.
1: Um, But I mean, he he hits a nail on the head and I- explaining what that means and what um, Father Zosima, I think, kind of goes through. The rest of uh, what Dostoevsky wrote was explaining the things that would change. Yeah, and not just to give examples. Yes,
0: that's true. And I think that's actually, I think that's sort of where Zosima is a little bit different from Ivan. I think Ivan understands, okay, like things would change. What Zosima seems to be doing is I think Zosima senses Ivan's lack of faith. Mm -hmm. And what Zosima is trying to point out is how it's not just like things will change because there's a functional rearrangement of parts, but that even now it is currently the case that the goals of the state are only properly achieved by Christian means. So he makes a big deal out of saying like the state as something detached from Christianity cannot affect conversion in the heart of a criminal. Right. Right. Um, but that the only reason criminals really convert is not because they face a sort of neutral, liberal, judicial apparatus, but mm-hmm. because they encounter Christ. Um, and so he, he points to that saying, like, it's, it's not simply the case that, like, if we, you know, make the judicial apparatus sort of Christian as a, as a function, like, we're mm-hmm. gonna switch some things about and hire some Christians to be the judges, and et cetera. Um, but that, in fact, right now, the real efficacy of what we call temporal reality, you know, things like crime mm-hmm. and punishment, uh, come from Christ. They come from um, lay people, especially enacting uh, the gospel in the world. And I think that's Zesima's sort of, it's, it's a subtle position, but I think it's what, mm-hmm. what he's doing throughout is trying to draw people back to not saying like, well, if we just functionally arrange some certain things, then we'll have this glorious vision of, of, uh, of all the world a church, um, achieved. But in fact, it's already here. The kingdom is already among us. Mm-hmm. And that seems right to me. Cause it's always here and not yet. It's sort of the dynamic.
1: Right. Uh,
0: yeah, he says, um, you know, crime is truly punished only by the church, by the law of Christ speaking in the criminal's conscience. Um, and then there's the Father Pacy, Pacy.
1: I, I don't know.
0: Uh, he's great because he just butts into the conversation every yeah. now and then. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah! <laughs> and he uh, really loves Russia. And he's the guy that's always saying... Oh, you did. I think you did. Yeah, really yeah, that, was, yeah. that was his quote. Yeah, any chance he can get to just be like, yes, and it's Russia who will do it.
1: Mother Russia. Yeah, he's there.
0: <laughs> so I think uh, I think Desiessi was having a sense of humor about that. I like the ending. Yes. I want to read it real quick <laughs> because it's just so funny because we get this all the time. So you might
1: Oh, ask, I, I laughed out loud when I read that.
0: You might ask, what what do we most often hear as a response to our various efforts? And surprisingly, the answer would be, that we're all socialists. So it was <laughs> very just, comforting.
1: It, it's just very funny because I'm just around like generally conservative men. Yeah, <laughs> I office. know. You have a, it just, it cracks me up.
0: Fortunate position there. Uh, yeah, so uh, Miosov kind of ends with, a, with an anecdote where he's trying to, he realizes he's kind of out of his depth in, his, in the conversation. <laughs> and he says, I will only quote one most curious remark uh, of this person. We are not particularly afraid, said he, of all these socialists, anarchists, infidels, and revolutionists. We keep a watch on them and know all their goings on. But there are a few peculiar men among them who believe in God and are Christians, but at the same time are socialists. These are the people we are most afraid of. They are dreadful people. The socialist who is a Christian is more to be dreaded than a socialist who is an atheist. The word struck me at the time, and now they have suddenly come back to me here, gentlemen. You apply them to us and look upon us as socialists, Father Pacey yes asked directly without beating about the bush. And then the chapter ends. Okay. Um, which is great because that's just what happens.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. It was just so funny. It's like, wow, all the conversations <laughs> that we're stuck in, that we're having, it's just in this excerpt from Dostoevsky.
0: Yeah. So we hope you'll read it. I mean, it, and that's the idea again, is to try to frame this debate so it doesn't seem like a. Like, it's coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And not just this debate, but the economic debate, um, debate on shareholding, debate on right, um, whatever well, we debate Well, that's about.
1: also why I liked having the the book reviews and the music reviews, too, is oh, yeah, because can. you can pull in uh, a lot. It, it just, it feels more like we're having a wider conversation because we, I mean, that is happening, but it's harder yeah. to see when you're just thrown into academic articles. Totally. Um because I I know there was there was a time when we were having a, a back and forth debate on in, integralism, yeah. and I don't think a lot of people picked up on what was going on. Yeah. Some people, some people were aware, some people weren't aware, especially if it just sat on their coffee tables. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it'll be easier to to do that with bringing in from the tradition and reviews and. Mm-hmm different sorts of materials. I really enjoyed it.
0: Good. I'm glad. Um, we also just tried to do some good some good old writing. So I, I did a couple things here. Uh, I liked... I did an article, which I hope everyone reads. Uh, it's called Some Problems with Becoming a Woman on the Basis of Identification. I wanted to just call it Some Problems with Becoming a Woman, but not everyone appreciates my <laughs> humor around here. Uh, but I named... I think I think this will be actually helpful. I might put it in a few different places, but basically I just, I feel like what we've done gender-wise, we're back to gender.
1: Oh, yeah. Dang it.
0: I feel like what we've done <laughs> is sort of culturally defeated the trans moment without intellectually doing so. So what I mean is like, it, w- it went from this like awkward, like, well, this appears to be something like we can't, really talk about and mm-hmm. it seems wrong, but I don't want to offend anyone and, and things like that to now. It's just basically a form of popular entertainment to be against like the trans ideology and the number of books that have come out recently that are basically, well, there's
1: just a lot of people hurting and it's obvious now. Well, they're
0: hurting and it's obvious, but there's also, but there's also like this, um, it's just a certain level of like, and it's good. I'm not, I'm not against it as such. It's just like, there's a certain level of, um, There's a certain level of argument that's decided not on the basis of truth, but just on the basis of like things we're allowed to say normally. And I think at this point Mm. through YouTube and podcasts and everything else also becoming a sort of dominant form of media, it's basically a you can get several clicks for, you know, saying something to the effect of like, isn't it ridiculous that this man thinks he's a woman? and so that's normal now like it's been allowed into the american normal i don't know that it's allowed in the european normal or the especially england seems a little more like uptight about it yeah um but that's sort of at this point just become a a victory not of argument but of of license is over like we can say this now we're gonna say it we're not afraid we're gonna speak up at the school board meeting or whatever and that's that's good yeah but i wanted to write something that says like hey there's actually um the, a logical and, failure. And the, yeah, and the worry is, if we don't make it, we might end up, and often do end up, repeating those same errors that led rise to a, like a, you know, vision of uh, androgynous man in, in the first place. Um, so that was one of the things I wanted to do: is just have three reasonable arguments for being for being impossible to um, become a woman on the basis of the act of identification which is i think Mm -hmm. where the debate has clearly settled like it's either on the basis of identification or it's on the basis of something else Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i thought it was helpful groovy great
0: all right and then you can enjoy the academic section which is uh, aiden nichols and tracy Rowland. Um, really clarifying the thought of Ratzinger. When we started this magazine, he had just passed away. Pope Benedict the Sixteenth had just passed away. Um, and we knew that... Well,
1: the particular issue.
0: Yeah. We knew that when, um, by the time it came out that we weren't going to be timely, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually really nice as a publisher because when you know you're very timely, sometimes you are more easily tempted into like more knee-jerk kind of reactionary writing mm-hmm. because you think, well, right now people are saying like the significance of Ratzinger was this or that, and we need to say no, it was we have that. We
1: throw in our opinion too. Yeah,
0: but when you're like, well, this is going to come out in like three to four months from now, all of those sort of fade away. And so what becomes clear, especially in the case of a brilliant mind like Pope Benedict XVI, is that what mm-hmm. we really need is clear exp- explanations um, and really just revelation of what he was saying mm-hmm. what did he think um and that's what they provide and they provide it really well so with specific emphasis on uh, ratzinger's notion of law in, in relation to liturgy and um nations in europe so right yeah. all right there it is uh we hope you read it we hope you like it we hope you enjoy it it's got a It's got all sorts of goodies. It's got a great quote from John Coltrane in the beginning. It's got some great pictures of, uh, some guy getting burnt, some babies getting stabbed.
1: Uh, kind of some dark themes. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: actually, that is true. You did mention that. I think it's true. It is a kind of a dark, it's like a jollily written dark magazine. (laughs) So we'll see how the next one goes as well. Um, but we hope you subscribe, and we hope you also give us some feedback in terms of what you think about the new uh, format, if it works to have an academic section within a larger magazine, um, and we hope that you will read it.
1: And, and keep it on your coffee table. And keep it on your coffee table. Both.
0: <laughs> Till next time.